Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm. Hello, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Happy Monday, man. Happy Monday. Here it is, another week, moving into chapter 14 of the Gospel of Matthew. It is. It's December 6, 2021. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anybody was wondering. Well, that's exactly right. So, all right. So let's take a look here at Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 from the English Standard Version. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people, because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. This is always one of the sad accounts for me to read, uh, to see that John was faithful in his preaching, faithful in his teaching, only spoke the truth. And he finds himself in prison for it. He finds himself even executed for it, um, seemingly at the at the um, request of a woman scorned. I think this is a hard lesson that we learn from the life and death of John the Baptist, that you serve the Lord faithfully, mm-hmm. and what we would expect, and I think we really expect this, having been brought up in this culture of America that historically has been very pro-Christian, very mm-hmm. pro-Bible, very pro-religion, and so normally even the government and employers and and our culture is very favorable when we're obeying God. That That's historically been the case, though it seems to be shifting a little bit. So it's hard for us to grasp somebody faithfully serving God, but instead of having your best life now, they end up getting executed. Well, a couple of things there. One, I it cuts against the grain to see someone who is righteous and in the right losing. We want the righteous to win. We think the good guys ought to win, and we want to see that. The second thing, you pointed out our culture. I I don't know that uh, we're especially used to the idea that someone gets arrested and even beheaded for preaching a sermon. Right. Uh, You know, we have this freedom of speech here, which it seems like oftentimes in more recent years has been about protecting profanity and obscenity and saying any kind of awful thing is actually protected. But probably the root of that right is the idea of people having religious conviction, being able to preach and teach what they believe the Bible said. And, you know, up until maybe the framers of our country, speech was illegal. Even yes. religious speech, highly illegal. In a you, lot of places, you go back if you disagreed. See the Reformation movement and Catholicism in the Middle Ages. You know, the idea of, of preaching what you believed and your conscience dictated was truth. And perhaps it even was truth. Uh, you know, Herod doesn't seem to dispute any of the facts 
about who he married. Yeah. But here he arrests this prophet for saying, but it was wrong. That marriage was wrong. Um, we, we think people ought to be able to speak their mind about things without becoming a political prisoner or a persecuted, you know, uh, believer for preaching what you believe is true. I recognize that some of the folks listening in on our conversations here from other countries, they may be like, I don't understand why you have a problem with this. But here in the United States of America, where this conversation is originating, we pride ourselves in freedom of speech. I mean, no, we no, don't. Get you're to- right. And that is one of the things that makes our country and this time in our country quite unique. And it's not that way everywhere else. You're right. And obviously, we don't believe you're, you should yell fire in a crowded auditorium. We don't believe you get to utter threats. Uh, to people. Okay, so those kinds of things. But we have been anchored in an idea that the only way to discover truth is through the free exchange of ideas. Mm -hmm. And so it's very shocking for us to have John express, you know, here's the law, Herod. You're claiming to be a part of Jewish descent, but you're not following the law and then get arrested for it. Morality, what you have done would be immorality mm-hmm. yeah and then he gets arrested for it and apparently just lingers in a dungeon right for a while no due process about this not at all <laughs> until he's ultimately executed the the thing that i want to draw out and this is you know this is not a very easy lesson to draw out it's not a very positive uplifting lesson but i do think it's something that we need to be thinking about and that's the reality is that jesus's promises to us Mm -hmm. for following him are actually not about this life. Hang on. What? (laughs) I'm not saying there's not benefits and blessings that come in this life from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Very often there are. There are. That's up to the Lord God, how he's going to bless us. But the main promises that Jesus has offered us are not about this life. The main promises are about the fact that there is something that is coming after this life. So the promises aren't about material comfort. The, the promises aren't about ease and riches. Perhaps we should just look at Jesus himself, who had to say to people who wanted to follow him, he said things like, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That's true. Uh, he he uh, constantly had people who were attacking him. He was itinerant. He was homeless for yeah. much of his time, much of his ministry, we should say. And of course, Jesus himself. How does his life end? It ends mm-hmm. in crucifixion. Yeah. Except... Accept, and this is the key. You know, you said just moments ago we expect the good guys to win, right? And the reality is, you and I both know that. Well, the good guy did win here. Mm-hmm. It's just we don't see it in this chapter for John. In Matthew chapter fourteen, we just see his death in this life. But based on everything else we know from Scripture, we recognize that John, the greatest who was born of woman, and yet even the least in the kingdom is greater than him. We recognize that John is looking forward to resurrection. That's right. And because John is looking forward to resurrection, to life, a resurrection to life, Herod, of course, needs to be looking forward to a a resurrection to condemnation and judgment. Mm -hmm. In the end, okay, in this life, it looks like Herod wins and John loses, but ultimately we know that Herod loses and John wins. Amen to that. I'm thinking about Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, okay. You know, toward the end there, we we, we have this hall of faith mm-hmm. where it talks about all these folks who did all these things, but then we get to that, that kind of final paragraph where it just lumps in just bunches of people without naming them. I'm in Hebrews 11, tw- uh, 33. No, 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 okay, you go ahead. Read that. Well, I was just going to say, 
once it stops naming, right, mm-hmm. then then you don't see all of the kind of happy endings. No, no, you don't. That's right. That's right. So verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Well, that's quenched, all good stuff. Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Now verse 35, here it comes. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth." That sounds like John the Baptist there, particularly out in the wilderness. The Hebrew writer doesn't give us all the names, but some of those descriptions sure fit John. Yeah, they do. Who we're talking about right now, as as well as any number of nameless saints that aren't recorded for us throughout the history of right. Israel. Prophets who were persecuted, people who were faithful to the Lord, and yet were killed by foreigners, sometimes by Israelites. And, you know, the whole point behind this is just the recognition that that we need to stay true. We need to be we, we need to be like this, have this kind of faith that says, I'm gonna hang with Jesus because I know something better is coming. I wasn't following Jesus because I expected him to make this life I know your your favorite phrase that I say, that he expected to make this life just rolling around in a tub of butter. It's not all as a friend oh, of I, mine yesterday I, said. I, I, thought you were, I thought you were gonna say, How you doing at that? <laughs> That's a different phrase. Oh. Uh, it's like a friend of mine said yesterday, similar to something I've said before. You know, life is not always rainbows and lollipops. And that <laughs> yeah, you know, Jesus yeah. didn't die to make life rainbows and lollipops. It's it, he he died so that we could hang on to him through everything this life offers because something better is coming. So here's the challenge for me, I guess. I look at John the Baptist out in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, ends up being incarcerated, a lot of deprivation. Mm. I'm not suffering deprivation. No, I'm not. He's a political prisoner for speaking out. We have freedom of speech. In some ways, I seem, you know, I seem to be so removed from Herod. Should that, er, Herod and John in this situation, should that embolden me? Should we be all the more active and loud with the blessings we have and the rights we enjoy and so forth? Or or am I more frightened to lose all those things? Ooh. You know, John the Baptist can't say, I mean, obviously his freedom was taken away from him and ultimately his life. But maybe sometimes the problem is we take stock at all that we have and, man, I don't want to risk any of it. Mm. That's tough. That reminds me... Uh, the, the day before we're having this conversation, yeah, uh, not 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 the day before it hits the airwaves, but the day before we're having You're this conversation. You're making my head hurt when you Sorry. talk calendar. We do yeah. this months ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> I presented a lesson from uh, that guy we often call the rich young ruler. Yeah. And Jesus asked him to sell all his stuff, and his big problem was that he had a lot of it. Yeah. yeah which yeah. which almost made it seem like if he hadn't quite had quite so much, might have been easier for him to give it up. Yeah. And maybe that is a problem. I, I need to hold up this mirror at myself that it's it's one thing. Thing to talk about. I need to be ready to face this. I need to be ready to face this. I need to be ready to face this. Sometimes I do need to ask the question, is the reason I'm not facing it because I'm so scared of losing the freedoms I have, I'm 
I'm, I'm not out there vocalizing the way I should. I, I heard a preacher one time talking to a room of preachers, and that was basically the challenge he put out there. He's like, hey, when we were young and we started in ministry, we were like, I'll, I'll give it all up for Jesus. He goes, you had nothing. Nobody starts out with anything. Yeah. He goes, you go through life 30, 40 years, and uh, now you've got some things. You, you know, got, you, you, you got, got a some, house, you got cars, you yeah. got family, you've got, you got family, you got kids, maybe you got a little money in the bank, you uh, got influence, influence you've got a reputation. reputation. Yeah. Would you still lay it all down for Jesus? Do you still say, I'll risk it all to follow Jesus? Well, that's what I say. <laughs> now you've got me questioning it. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, it, it's just, it's something that hit me as I'm reading through this. Account. A lot of times I look at this account and I think about the foolishness of Herod. Sure. You know, and, and I don't want to be that guy. Right. So carried away by my lusts and temptations that I'm willing to blow up my soul and integrity to do some really foolish things. But I guess this time I'm looking more at John and saying, uh, would I be willing enough? Is my faith strong enough to risk it all, to speak for the truth and stand there with it. I recently read a book by a fellow named Rod Dreher. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but it was called Live Not By Lies, Mm. which itself, the title was based on an essay written years ago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. You're pretty close on that. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. (laughs) But... uh, uh, you know, you that whole idea that we need to be governed by truth, mm-hmm. and we need to refrain from compromise, and we need to make sure, and we do have to ask ourselves, where is it that I have been willing to compromise? Where, am I, am I living in ease because I have compromised? I think these are challenges that we need to they face, are. and we need to we need to have some fearless, thorough moral inventory. I'm not saying we're all lost because we're not no, in prison no, like no, John. No. But we got to ask these questions. Good. I appreciate yeah. you challenging me with them today. Thank you so much for joining us for the conversation. We are in Matthew 14 this week, and we hope you'll be with us every day for Text Talk. Rate the podcast, share it with a friend, join in at the Facebook group in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to close out today with a word of prayer. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word that we could spend some time in devotion and reading again about the strong example of John the Baptist. We see, Father, how his life ended in this world, but we rejoice to know that his hope and his victory is found in the next world, in the eternal life that comes only through a proper relationship in Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus and his gospel. We pray, God, that we might search our our hearts to stand upon your truth this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.